Hello and welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madat. Thanks very much for being here today. Uh, pretty excited about this particular episode. I have Paul Petrosky, sales enablement leader over at IBM Watson Health, coming to us from Denver, Colorado. Paul, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Paul. Absolutely. Hey, listen, take a couple seconds here. Say hi to the audience and introduce who you are. Great. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Paul Petrosky. As Paul said, I'm based in uh, sunny Denver, Colorado currently the leading sales enablement team for IBM Watson Health, been in the enablement space for six or seven years now, and just really excited about helping sellers maximize their performance as best as they can. Well, you know, listen, I, I asked you on this podcast for a couple reasons, because your your background is one that interested me from what I could see in terms of how you've carved up your, your career. But the real reason is because you have the best first name in the world. I mean, that's pretty clear, right? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, good. So listen, Paul, the the title of the podcast is Your Intention Matters. And that all stems from everything starts with mindset. Everything starts with intention that uh, you end up creating what you want through intention that you can work for an organization. They can give you all kinds of tools and support and, um, you know, training and systems and things like that. But if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't have the intention, things don't usually shift. And so I appreciate you being on the on the podcast with me here. Uh, if you're open to it, uh, if you think about your current state today and the version of you in terms of who you are today, uh, what are some of your motivators right now? What gets you going? Yeah, well, I think I'd, I'd add to that from a personal and then from a professional perspective. Um, obviously, from a per- personal perspective, my wife, my son, and my daughter, uh, my family, helping them be the best version of them possible and getting up and uh, bringing myself to the table every single day and, and help pushing them and help them be who, who they've been created to be. Uh, that, that obviously, uh, like most fathers, like most husbands, drives a lot of what we do. But from a, from a professional perspective, as we're going to talk about here in this podcast, I've got a very diverse and unique background in the IT space, learning and development, sales enablement. And when I bring those, those areas together, um, I get really jazzed about how do we help sellers be the best they can be from a performance perspective and how do we use the right technologies to help them do that and there's so many different avenues by which we can we can influence performance but I'm a big advocate of performance consulting the discipline that really takes a holistic look at people and how they perform and I think there's no better place to apply those principles than in the sales realm where we can really maximize how sellers perform. Well, I'm interested in hearing your story because uh, I know that that's not where you first started um, at all. And your career has been anything but uh, a straight line. And so let's go back into it. So you you go to Penn State, uh, you graduate with a Bachelor's of Science in Management Science and Information Services. And then from there, um, were you able to actually establish a a career in IT? I was, yeah. So so out of high school, I was was good at math. And and like most people that are good at math, your guidance counselor tells you, go go get a career in engineering. So I started my Penn State career as engineering, and then that evolved 
into CompSci and then information systems. And the switch to information systems for me was because I really wanted to not just do the, the programming side of things, but the, the business side of things. And so out of college, joined on with a consulting company, consulting arm of Computer Sciences Corporation, CSC, and uh, spent about five years with them doing IT consulting, traveling all over all over the world. I spent uh, several months down in Barbados on a project working down there and, um, and and just really enjoyed not just the programming, hardcore programming side of things, but also the ability to get into the business side of how technology impacts business. How long were you actually based in Barbados? Uh, it was six months. Uh, so if you've ever been to any of the Caribbean islands, there's a bank called First Caribbean International Bank. And what CSE was brought down to do is take the two previous banks, Barclays was, I think, the Canadian bank, and then there was a British bank. And we merged those two banks to create what is now known as First Caribbean International Bank. And so we literally did island by island. On Friday, we would shut down the old two banks, do all the data conversions. I was down there doing some database conversion stuff for the general ledgers. And then on Monday, we would open up what became First Caribbean International Bank. And so over, I was only down there for six months. The project went on six months longer. But over this year period, we literally converted all of the Caribbean islands to the new bank. And did you get on the plane kicking and screaming? Like, like to leave? I didn't know. Yeah, that, that was the project to be on. I mean, there, there was, as you can imagine, once we signed that contract, everybody was pretty excited. And, and for me, being at my level, you know, a few years into my career, it was, uh, it was unique to, to have that opportunity because a lot of the people that were bringing down were some higher level management and business process consultants. So it was, I mean, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. Now, I will say after being down there for six months, you do get island fever. And this was, you know, pre pre the technology we have now to do phone calls so mm. anytime you call off the island you either paid three bucks a minute to use the regular phone or you use voice over ip where you said something and then about 10 seconds later the other person heard you so it was it had its challenges right 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 it's amazing how technology has changed things uh certainly for the better in Definitely. most cases so uh okay so you establish a, a career in it Sales and sales enablement is it's not even on your radar, I imagine, at the time. And where were you based? So outside of Barbados, but you were actually, you went to Penn State. So where were you actually based when you first started your career? Yeah, outside of, in, in Philadelphia, in uh, outside the King of Prussia area, that's where the office was for CSC that I was based out of. Okay, so you're in so you're in Philly, but now you're in Denver. Um, did CSC move you there, or did you uh, electively move? How did that happen? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. So um, after that, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, get put on a project in Denver and uh, completely fell in love with it. I had a sister who passed away in 2001 after a 10-year uh, struggle with a brain tumor. And so I was just in this place where I didn't have anything really holding me back, was single and was just looking to, to do something new. And so I was uh, on this project in Denver. Typically, as a consultant, you'd fly back and forth every week and um, head back home for the weekend. But I was just taking the weekends and spending it in Denver. I just absolutely fell in love with the city, with just the fact that there were places as beautiful as they were growing up back east. And so, and then over the next few months, had conversations with the managing director for CSC in the Denver office, and they were looking to ramp up the consultants that they had in that office to do more projects on the West Coast. And so it was just a perfect fit. I was looking for a change in life and they were looking for more billable consultants. And so it made the, made the move. Uh, well, listen, I, first thing I want to say is I'm sorry to hear about uh, your sister's passing being a factor in, in your decision to move. I'm sure a lot of people listening 
you know, we've all lost people and, you know, have to manage that as well. And so uh, kudos to you for, you know, turning what I'm sure was a very difficult scenario into, you know, something pretty positive with your life. Um, you know, with, you. you're welcome. And so with the move to Denver, um, how, how long from the moment you thought, you know what, I, I really want to make a shift here to it actually happening? Um, yeah, it was, I think I, I came out here on the project in August and I was moving January 1st. Literally, my dad and I packed up a, a small trailer on New Year's Day and drove from uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, 1,600 miles to Denver, Colorado. Um, so it, it took only five or six months. Again, in that time, I was having conversations with the local office, really liked the people in the local office, made some good friends uh, of other people that were in the office. So, uh, so it was only about five or four, five, four or five months by the time I landed in Denver to the point I was in a U-Haul moving cross country. You know, I, I used to live in Calgary, Alberta in Western Canada. And when I worked for Xerox and I decided to leave and start up my own business that I'm doing now, I decided to move back to Toronto. And so your story about driving, you know, cross country with your dad hits home for me a little bit because I was in the same boat. I lost, I lost my stepdad about five years ago. And when I moved back to Toronto, he flew out to Calgary and drove with me and we drove across, uh, you know, across the country, but we drove through the U.S., took us six days. And just one of those great memories that, you know, while he's gone now, um, you know, so thankful for that one week. It was such a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully, you know, the drive for you was a, was a, was a cool one for you as you uh, set up shop in the Midwest. I highly recommend to anybody that if you have week two weeks, just take a, take a road trip, yeah. get in the car and just drive across country. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you're at CSC, um, you're, you're have developed, um, a, a pretty established, uh, sounds like a fun career and one that's serving you well, uh, you move cities. Um, talk to me about uh, your decision to actually leave and, you know, kind of make the shift a little bit. What, first of all, why'd you leave CSC after such a long period of time? Yeah, I, uh, I got married in, in 2002 and just didn't want to be on the road anymore. Just felt like if I was going to get married, I wanted to establish you know, a good home base with my wife. And so uh, I think shortly after getting engaged, they told me I was going to potentially be going to Albany, New York on a project. And from Denver to Albany, it was something like two or three flights. And, mm. and just the idea of that lifestyle wasn't what I wanted to start my marriage with. And so um left CSC to join a company local here in Denver. Uh, it's called, uh, it's now called Home Advisor. They, if you want home improvements on your home, you can go enter in and actually get resources that would be pre-screened. And so did web development with them, a company called Tanberg Television, which is now Ericsson, uh, pretty much just doing either hardcore web development or back-end Java programming uh, with the intent that I just didn't want to be on the road anymore. And so did that for about two or three years. Okay. All right. So you're there, um, but then you went back to CSC. Am, am, am I correct on that? I did. Okay. There has to you be. Are, a, there, yeah. ha, there has to be a story in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So, so after about two or three years of hardcore development, realizing I didn't want to be a code monkey uh, for the rest of my <laughs> life, I think the the draw for me with the consulting side of things was again that business personal side of it. While I was doing development work, um, there was a lot of the the personal side that. I was drawn out from for myself and uh, just realized I didn't I didn't want to sit behind a computer and code for the rest of my life even though you know that, that would have been a very lucrative career uh, we were joking around at the beginning I still haven't touched a line of code in 10 years and I still get recruiters reaching out to me asking for you know am I interested in this Java development job 
Um, so it, it would have been a very lucrative career, but for me, um, it just wasn't, it wasn't clicking. It wasn't what I wanted to continue to do. I wanted to get more into the, the push myself in the, the, I guess, more the personal soft skill side of who I was. And so I had the opportunity to go back to CSC in a technology training manager role uh, with the consulting company that I worked for for five years, that, that division, pretty much came back and ran and developed learning and development programs to help upskill our consultants so that they can uh, be more billable. So that was everything from database skills to Java development skills, to object-oriented programming, database design, was running uh, virtual virtual learning and development programs to help help our consultants become more bill- billable. And so in your second go-around at CSC, how long uh, did you stay there? Uh, what was that tenure like? Yeah, I was there for about five and a, five or six years, and and in that five or six years, uh, just grew my personal career in the learning and development space. Um, well, what started just technology training became what we called organizational capability. What started with just being the consulting division, by the time I left, was doing uh, literally our global center of excellence organizational capability. And so that was pretty much designing, developing, and deploying global programs that supported uh, our 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 company with anything that wasn't leadership and wasn't sales. So we always had those two things separate. Uh, and so I had the opportunity to just um, grow myself and then grow in my career in, in doing that for a pretty large, I mean, I think at the time CSC was 300,000 employees. So a uh, pretty, pretty wide scope of what, what I was doing. And I imagine that you had a pretty decent runway within the company working for an organization with that, you know, with that many people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there was, there was a lot to it, and then a lot of experience. So, at this point in your career, you're you're working for, you know, call it the better part of 15 years. The the, mo- the majority of your time is on and off with CSC. Um, it's it's a good sized company. Um, it's it's you know you're getting what you want. Why was the path of least resistance not to stay? Why would you leave? Yeah. So, um, I I. A few reasons. One, I was getting the itch to broaden myself in, I wanted to get into the sales side of things. Um, I, some of it was just personal, you know, going job job sites and for every one learning and development job, there seemed to be three sales training type jobs. And we weren't calling it sales enablement at the time. It was sales effectiveness or, or even just sales. Sometimes it was rolled into sales ops. But for me, I saw that as an opportunity that if I really wanted to continue projection in my career, I could have continued down the learning and development route, or I saw this as an opportunity to get into something and to broaden my, my skill set. And I, I've never sold anything in, in my life other than my wife on marrying me. So I wasn't a seller. And so this was a, a bit of a, like, okay, I want to do this, but who am I? I'm not qualified to do this. And so left CSE in 2013 to join a company that was based in San Francisco as an e-learning project manager, trainer, onboarder type guy, uh, and actually took a pay cut to do it because I wanted to get into the sales side of training. And within three weeks of joining that company, the, the lady who hired me, was, who was the director of sales effectiveness, um, she left to go take a great opportunity. And so I was literally given the keys to what was everything from onboarding new sellers reps to running our sales kickoffs and mid-year events to supporting product launches to building new sales teams that were focused in different verticals in the business. Uh, and that was just completely like 
thrown into the fire. Uh, I had to learn. I had to learn a ton. I had to have a growth mindset because if not, I would have failed miserably. Um, but I had to spend a lot of time with sellers because I didn't like you. Sure. I can go create training for coders that are learning how to code, but to go create, create training or programs that support sellers to be productive. That was all new to me. I never sold anything. So I had to do a ton of learning and just interviews and just sitting down with sellers to understand what does your day look like? What does success look like for you? How do you accomplish that success? And then try to take all that knowledge and information and retrofit it back into what my role was and how I can support the organization. You know, for you to take a pay cut, I think in itself uh, speaks to your character and your drive for you, what you want to do. I mean, most people would say, no, I can't. I, I, even if I wanted to, I couldn't do it because of the responsibilities that, you know, life brings. Uh, you know, and given that, okay, so you make the shift. You go to a new company, you're being paid less electively to do that. So you're probably somewhat okay with that. And then all of a sudden, the person that hired you, something happens very early on. Uh, any moments of regret or, um, you know, being upset that you made this decision? Yeah, it, it was probably, so, so the lady hired me in August of 13. And, and in January, I had to run my first sales kickoff. And Paul, I had no clue what I was doing. I mean, I didn't know what a sales kickoff was. I didn't understand why did we have them. And, and literally, I'm sitting there trying to fill a role that I kind of felt this was my role, but nobody was really telling me that. Um, and so I'm sitting here trying to run this sales kickoff, working with our marketing team and our events team to try to coordinate. And, and luckily, I, you know, I was somebody that just was good at project management from my, my years of consulting. So that definitely helped me. Um, but you know, I had no clue where we hit the mark on this thing. And it was probably right about that time where I said, what, what did I do? I mean, what, what am I doing here? I don't, this is, I'm such, it's that imposter syndrome. This yeah. is not who I am. And, but I, per, I, I stayed the course and learned a ton. And then when we ran the mid-year event that year in, in 14, felt more comfortable with it. And the growth that came through staying the course at that moment um, far outweighed the uncomfortness of that imposter syndrome. And how did your first kickoff event go? Did it, uh, did, was it the way you wanted it? <laughs> did you, you, you found you know, a way? It, we found a way, and it's funny when you're on the back end of running to kickoffs, you know everything that's failing, but from the person, True. the seller sitting in the audience, they don't know. Right. So they thought it was great, but obviously I could have picked it apart. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think we, we met the objectives of what it was supposed to do. Oh, that's really cool. You know, what you just said, uh, I think is so true. Sometimes I'll come home after a training session myself facilitating uh, one of our programs and my wife will say, how did it go? And the first thing out of my mouth will be about three or four things that I missed. Uh, it's just, it's like, we're always the worst on critic. Right. So, right. Well, good. Well, congrats on, on staying the course there. And so, uh, you know, an interesting career that you've had thus far. Um, talk to us about how did you, uh, make your way to IBM? How did that happen? Yeah, so in, in 2016, um, just running my course at ServiceSource and moved there in February 16, about four years ago now, to a healthcare company called Truven Health. Uh, so again, an, another learning opportunity for me. I'd never been in healthcare before, so I was learning a, a whole new industry, uh, but was brought on to, to run the sales effectiveness, sales enablement function for uh, our largest sales team within Truven Health. Uh, and again, another another three weeks into the job, and I find out that we're getting acquired by IBM, uh, which obviously they couldn't reveal to me during the process. So uh, for that first year, it was kind of status quo. I, I did my job as a Truven employee, but then, you know, over the last 
three years, it's been fully working on the integration into IBM and uh, becoming becoming part of Big Blue. And uh, so, a- any regrets with the merger? Um, you're, you're content with where things are? Is it working out for you? Yeah, I mean, it's always hard when you, you go <laughs> from a small company to this like conglomerate of. 400,000 employees and and you get lost in the sea of what is just hugeness. Um, And and I think, you know, IBM was great when they brought us on, they put us through manager training and and they told us, they said, you didn't choose IBM, IBM chose you. Mm. And and that's okay if it's not for you. They say, give it a year and and see if it is. And, you know, I I, I probably when it first happened, I was like, oh, I'm out of here in in six months. And, you know, and I'm here four years later and have had the great opportunity to, to do some cool things. I mean, the healthcare space is just such... Uh, uh, there's such a need to impact healthcare, and and it's it's one of those things where I wake up every day and hear stories of some of our products that are saving people's lives from an oncology and genomics perspective, or or, or impacting new research for for drug discovery that's helping save lives. And you know when you can step back and realize the bigger picture of what we're doing, sometimes that uh, mitigates some of those challenges. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad to hear that uh, that it's worked out, you know, the way that uh, it was supposed to and what you've been able to create with it. You know, Paul, as I said in the early part of the of the conversation, you've had anything but a straight line career and it's been meandering and you've made some uh, some big decisions uh, in your life. And as you, you know, progress with your career, uh, any advice for anybody listening, if there was something that uh, you wanted to say as a takeaway or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I'd say be a consummate learner. Uh, the, it, it, whether it's um, you know whether it was my my changes in careers or new ventures that I've done personally, I've been able to start a a nonprofit. Uh, 501c3 youth sports organization. Um, you know, I, I, I've got a master's degree in things that I've never even thought I'd be have a master's in, and it, it just each of these situations presented opportunities to learn and to push myself. And when you're in the midst of those situations, obviously, like I was explaining earlier, you know, you question that imposter syndrome. I, I can't do this. Who am I? But if you really have that growth mindset, that willingness to learn, and that willingness to just jump in and be, you know, be okay with the uncomfort, be okay with the fact that you're not going to get it right and that there are going to be mistakes. But that whole growth mindset says that you know, failures aren't failures, but they're opportunities to learn and to grow. And if you're that consummate learner, I think it just opens doors and creates opportunities that you would have never found on your own. Great advice. Great advice. And so, Paul, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate it, Paul. Absolutely. Glad to be on the podcast. Good. Well, listen, we're going to wrap this one up right now. Again, thanks for being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, remember, your intention matters because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Go Leafs and go Raptors.